What's happening, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of American West History and Lore. I am your host, Paul Workman. I'm excited to be back with you guys this week. I have a great show for you. But before we get into that, if you wouldn't mind me asking a favor, again, I've asked this in the past, but if you wouldn't mind going on whatever platform you listen to this show on, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher, or if there's one that, that I don't know about that you guys do, if you wouldn't mind going to those and maybe leaving a nice rating and review, it really helps the show out a lot. And believe it or not, more people are able to find this show. So it really does help out. And I would be really grateful if you guys wouldn't mind doing that. That's where I'm going to leave it for right now. And we're just going to get right into this episode. We're going to go for the trifecta and make this week, the third week in a row that we talk about ghost towns. So here we go. We're going to talk about Bodie, California. So the town of Bodie came to be in around 1859, and it's located east of the Sierra Nevada mountains in Mono County, California. Now it's just off the California Highway 395 and is seven miles south of Bridgeport, and its elevation is right around 8,375 feet. Now in 1859, a man by the name of Waterman S. Bodie discovered gold in the hills north of Mono Lake. In November of that same year, he and his mining partner, who was known as Black Taylor, got caught up in a blizzard when they went out making a supply run to Monoville. Bodie was having a rough time making it back to their camp, so Taylor continued on without him. It wasn't until several months later that they found his body, which in turn led to the rise of the town. So even though Waterman S. Bodie died in 1859 and never actually resided in the town, people still felt it right to name the town after him. Bodie essentially began as a mining camp in the early 1860s, but by the mid-1870s, several rich gold mines had been discovered, leading many prospectors to flock to the camp. In fact, by 1880, the population of Bodie had reached approximately 10,000 people. Now, the numbers vary on the structures that existed in Bodie. However, the approximates are around 1,800 to 2,000 buildings, which consisted of around 200 restaurants, many of which stayed open 24-7. It also had two churches, the denominations being Catholic and Methodist, as well as general stores, a firehouse, a sawmill, a bank, and Bodie also boasted an opium den, as well as other pleasure centers such as gambling dens and a number of houses of ill repute. Now because these kinds of places were so plentiful, it was easy for a miner after a long day of working hard in the mines to quickly spend his earnings. However, like any town whose citizens surround themselves with lots of money, booze, and gambling, things can get out of hand real fast. Murders and gunfights were an often occurrence in Bodie, and the town's reputation rivaled those like Deadwood, Tombstone, and Dodge City. And we've all heard the saying, it's not the town that makes the people, it's the people that make the town. And of course, that's so true. It's the people and their interests that make a town what it is, and some of Bodie's residents did just that. They helped give the town its personality. Take Madame Mustache, for instance. She, to me anyway, brought some class to the social scene of Bodie. She ran a gambling house, and instead of letting its visitors get too crazy, she regulated temperament by only serving milk, 
and champagne, and absolutely no beer or whiskey. She permitted no foul language, and made it a point that, to all those who wish to gamble at her establishment, they must be showered and cleaned up and looking nice. There's also the story of Eli and Lottie Joel, a couple who were known to keep to themselves. Lottie was a woman who, at one time, worked in high-class brothels until she was able to get out of the, that profession and change her ways. When she arrived in Bodie, she met Eli, and they soon fell in love. Now, even though she had changed her ways and quit the prostitution gig and settled down, she was never fully accepted by the townspeople. It's said that her and Eli attended a costume ball one evening, and that Lottie disguised herself in a gorgeous white satin dress that Eli had purchased for her. Nobody recognized her, though. She went on to be the prize winner of the ball, and she eventually revealed her true identity, only to be ridiculed by the townsfolk. She left the ball crying. Now, later in her life, she became very sick. The doctor gave her some medicine, which failed to have any healing effects, and she died 24 hours later. It turns out that the doctor had given her poison. For what reason, you ask? Well, that part remains a mystery, but authorities ruled it as an accident. Because Lottie was considered an outcast to society, the town did not want her buried within the town cemetery property because it was only for the respectable, quote-unquote, citizens of Bodie. However, Eli fought for her, and she ended up being buried in the cemetery anyway. Now, as I said before, people make the town, the town doesn't make the people. Lottie's story is a sad one, but she definitely had an effect on shaping and influencing how history sees Bodie. The several mines were worked throughout Bodie's existence, and it produced a large amount of gold over the years. After the gold would go to the town's stamp mills, some of it was shipped to Carson City, Nevada, where it was sent to the mint there, or to the San Francisco mint. By 1883, the mining started to die down, and the population had decreased to around 2,500 people. A fire that was started in 1892 destroyed half of the town's structures, and by 1900, the population had decreased even more to around 500 people. To put the final nail in Bodie's coffin, in 1932, a small boy playing with matches started a fire and pretty much burned down the rest of the town, with the exception of what is left for us to see there today. Now, it's no secret that Bodie is known for its hauntings. In fact, on the Bodie State Historic Park's website, they boast, quote, Today, this once-thriving mining camp is visited by tourists, howling winds, and an occasional ghost, end quote. Probably the most well-known paranormal happenings in the town is known as the Curse of Bodie. First and foremost, no souvenir is to be taken from the ghost town, and the spirits of those who once resided there Make sure that if you do take something, you'll want to take it right back. It's said that the visitors will take items from Bodie and take them home only to be struck with a streak of bad luck and misfortune until the item or items have been brought or sent back to the town. Many people have sent items through the mail to park rangers at Bodie along with letters apologizing for taking them and they testify that the curse is real. Perhaps the most intriguing yet frightening spirit of them all is that of a heavyset Chinese woman who was hired to be the maid of John S. Kane, a prominent businessman of Bodie, and his family. And it's speculated that Mrs. Kane was jealous of the maid and that she perhaps flirted with Mr. Kane, therefore she fired her. Whatever the reason, the maid felt disgraced and killed herself. While visiting the John S. Kane house, visitors say that her spirit likes children but likes to annoy teenagers. 
It's also said that she very much dislikes adults who stay the night in the house. When in the upstairs bedrooms, she appears to children and smiles at them. A few park rangers who have stayed in one of the bedrooms while lying in the bed have experienced a heavy, suffocating pressure on top of them, and others have experienced lights turning on by themselves. In the Gregory house, some have said that they have seen the apparition of an old woman rocking back and forth while crocheting an afghan. Others say they have seen the rocking chair rocking by itself. Bodie is a town where visitors are highly encouraged to visit. In fact, Bodie is a California historic state park, which means, yes, there is a fee to enter, but it's well worth the charge. Now, because the town was abandoned fairly quickly, there are many remains that are original, such as canned goods, sewing machines, roulette tables, and even poker chips. The state park system has stated that the town is being preserved in a state of arrested decay, which basically means very little to nothing is being done to repair the structures of the town. Nature will eventually take its course until one day, nothing will remain of it. The town is open year-round, however, during the winter, it's only accessible by skis, snowshoes, or snowmobiles. They offer guided tours of the stamp mill, where you can learn how to, where you can learn how the gold was extracted from the quartz and turned into bullion bars. In Bodie, absolutely nothing can be taken from the ghost town. Although, as mentioned previously, based on experience people have had by taking artifacts from the site, I don't know why you'd want to take anything anyway. As always, be respectful of Bodie. There's a cemetery there, so remember to show some reverence to the souls while visiting that area. Also remember to tour safe. Proper clothing and shoes is always a smart idea, as well as having some water and some snacks. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of American West History and Lore. Thanks for tuning in. I think next week we're going to take a break from the ghost towns. I got something else lined up. Uh, it's going to be really cool. Remember that you can always submit your uh, show suggestions to thepkworkman at gmail.com. And again, if you wouldn't mind heading on over to iTunes or Stitcher and, and leaving a rating and a review, that really helps the show out a lot. Also, for show notes for this episode, go to mysteryandhistory.blogspot.com. That's mysteryandhistory.blogspot.com. Thanks again, guys. We'll catch you next time.